You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. And this one's kind of near and dear to my heart. And the reason being is because last summer I read his book, a book called Profit First. Now, that's not what we're going to talk about today, but it had a huge impact on me and my business. So I want to welcome Michael Michalowicz to the show. He's the author of not only Profit First, but Clockwork, Surge, The Pumpkin Plan, and his newest book that's coming out called Fix This Next. By his 35th birthday, Mike had founded and sold two companies, one to a private equity firm and another to a Fortune 500. Today, he's running his third multi-million dollar venture, Profit First Professionals. So welcome to the show, Mike. Appreciate you Dennis, being here. it's awesome to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And listen, I'm going to give a little plug to your last book because I read it, Profit <laughs> First. Yeah, and I'm telling you, man, it was awesome. I'm not the financial management guy, but the yeah. system in here is so simple. It just hit home with me. I've implemented it and it it has really, really just made the financial part of my business much less stressful and a lot more fun. So I love hearing that. It did the same for me. You know, I started Profit First 12 years ago. It's been been life-changing for me. And uh, I I was just, I asked myself, why isn't everyone doing this? And the funny thing is it was an established method, the envelope system. We've been told to use this in personal finances, the pay yourself first system. I just hadn't seen it translate the business yet. So that's why I wrote that book. And I'm just so happy it's of service to you and, and other folks. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. Now, we met through a, through a mutual friend, Amber Villauer. She was on the show previously. So if anybody wants to check that out, I'm not sure what episode it is, but she was an amazing guest. Episode so wanna, awesome. <laughs> yeah, episode awesome. And I want to thank her for providing the intro because I'm excited to have you here today. Now, you're launching a new book. And not only are you launching a new book, but this podcast is going to talk about, today we're going to talk about what's called the business hierarchy mm-hmm. of needs. And it's a focal point in the book. Can you give us a quick one-minute rundown of the book, and then we'll sure. dive right in? Sure. So the, the new book is called Fix This Next, and the thesis came to me by just interviewing entrepreneurs and asking what their biggest challenge was, and it was clear they had no clue. So the thesis is this, that the biggest challenge business owners have is knowing what their biggest challenge is. There's this constant rush to all the apparent issues, particularly with the economic crisis we're experiencing now. You know, Everyone is, is trying to put out fires, but no one is getting to the, the starting point. No one's getting to the essence of what would move their business forward. So there's a scramble. So Fix This Next is a tool to pinpoint exactly what your business needs from you now. Do that thing. Then once you resolve it, it'll identify what's the next thing you need, resolve that, and so forth. Yeah. And depending upon when everybody's listening to this, I think your book is going to release on what? April 29th? April 28th. April 28th. Uh, yeah. yeah. April 28th. So depending upon when you guys are listening to this, I think this is going to air after that. But ultimately, depending on when you're listening to that, I highly recommend you guys get it. So today we're going to talk about that business hierarchy of needs. Yeah. But before we do that, I have an interesting question for you. And I, I, I was, I was, I'm very curious of what your answer might be. So just a little bit inward into you, if you could pick any business superpower, 
something you don't currently have, something you wish you had, maybe something you saw somebody else is really good at and you wish you could do that, mm. what would it be? Probably a, a creator of systems. You know, I've grown to the point where I, I have hired and have colleagues that are excellent creating systems. Uh, and I know the importance of it. I, I've written a book about it, but it's not my passion or interest. I, I don't get joy out of document recording and bringing about that consistent process for others to do it. Yet, I would argue that's one of the most important things a business needs. So I wish I could just do that, but I'm glad that I, I surround myself with people that do do that. Yeah, you're focusing on your strengths and then hiring or delegating on the things yeah, you're not exactly, good at. Exactly. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. All right, so one other question. Now, your business Profit First Professionals, yeah. is that a more of a consulting training service? What is, what is that about? Tell me, tell me about your current business a little bit. Yeah, so, so I'm a full-time author, but I, I continue to be an entrepreneur. I, behind my books, I create organizations. So there, I have a partner in Profit First Professionals. And what we did was we used the Profit First methodology to create a certification for accountants, bookkeepers, and coaches. We have 450 plus certified people globally who now help implement this process in, in other businesses. But I also did the same for Clockwork. There's an there's a organization called Run Like Clockwork. I did with Pumpkin Plan. And now that my new book, Fix This Next, I have an organization behind it who supports people in this process. Oh, perfect. I love it. So that's an interesting business model. Yeah. All right. Yes. And, and the funny thing is it allows me to do what I would love to do, which is write books, research entrepreneurship, simplify the process. But it puts structure behind it too. And I, I encourage people, we were talking about it just a second ago, what's your strengths? What's your passion? but that doesn't prohibit you from delivering different things. You just need to surround yourself with the right people. Yeah, I love it. I love that. I love that model. That's really interesting. So, all right. So listen, we've got a limited amount of time and I'm yeah. sure there's, with all the books you've written and your experience as an entrepreneur and interviewing entrepreneurs and your exposure to, you know, to a lot of different things as an entrepreneur, you have a lot of things to share, but we have a limited amount of time. And today yeah. we're going to dive into what you're framing as the business hierarchy of need, what it is and why it's important to understand it. So I'm going to let you take it away. Yeah. So I translated this from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so Maslow, just a quick history lesson, is studying the human needs for survival and, and growth and uh, satisfaction and develops this thing that subsequently was labeled as the Maslow hierarchy of needs. And basically what it says, at a foundational requirement for humanity, we all need basic biological requirements satisfied. And what they are, are, you know, we need to breathe air, we need to drink water, have food. If those elements are not being satisfied, it is the absolute priority because our survival basis is based upon that. But once that's satisfied, we climb up, if you will, to the next level, which is safety, protection from harm, protection from the elements. And once safety is satisfied, then we climb up to belonging, which is the need to belong to a community, to have relationships. And then it moves up to higher levels. The highest level is self-actualization. What Maslow argued is at any time a base level need is compromised, the higher level needs are shelved momentarily or permanently as we address the base level needs. So if we're talking right now, we could be considered this an element of self-actualization, talking at a very intellectual high level, implications on your business, your life. But if I'm eating a hamburger and all of a sudden I start choking on the hamburger, this conversation's out the window, I am biologically wired to address my base level need. And so the base always must satisfy the level above it, and that level above it must satisfy its level above it, and it continues up this hierarchy of five levels. Why well, translate this into a business hierarchy of needs? So it's very similar to Maslow's, but with one substantial and critical difference. So the level of needs in a business are foundationally, every business must have sales. That's the equivalent of oxygen for the business. It fuels the business. You have no sales, you have no cash, you're done. So sales creates cash. 
Above that is profit. Profit creates stability for an organization. It's the shelter equivalent. It's the protection of an organization. And in financial crisis, so we're experiencing what's called macro crisis right now, a business that does not have profit is going to teeter and, and probably go out of business very quickly because they don't have that safety, that shelter. Next level above that is order. Order is the creation of efficiency. An organization that can run on automatic. There's no dependency on the owner working their tail off to support the business. In fact, the owner doesn't even have to be there. The next level above that is called impact. This is the creation of transformation. No longer selling a commodity, but selling something that is of service beyond the commodity itself. And the highest level is legacy, which is the creation of permanence, where business can live on into perpetuity. That's the five levels of the business hierarchy of needs. But how it works is that anytime a base level requirement is not being satisfied, we need to revert to the base. Now, the substantial difference, the extraordinary difference between Maslow's hierarchy and the business hierarchy is we are not neurologically wired into a business hierarchy of needs like we are our personal needs. Like if I'm choking, my senses will trigger that there is a problem here and I will automatically neurologically respond by trying to expel that from my throat. Conversely, the business hierarchy needs were not wired in, yet business owners often trust their gut or their instinct to make decisions. But since we're not neurologically wired into our business, we're making sometimes pot shot decisions. So we need to understand the hierarchy of needs for our business, use our gut as a beacon, but get empirical data to substantiate where's our need right now. As a quick example, many business owners revert under, under stress to say, I need to sell more. We are having a problem. We need to create more cash. But the challenge for many businesses under stress is not sales is actually profitability, the stability level. So an organization may have depleted sales, it's creating less cash, but the question is on the sales that we do have coming in, how do we bring stability to our organization? It may be cost control, cutting costs. It may be increasing margins. It may be cutting products that have no margin or focusing on clients that buy the high margin items. But it's equivalent, if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of a of freezing temperatures coming in, I'm outside in the cold with just a t-shirt on and there's a blizzard coming and I'm about to die of hyperthermia, instead of seeking shelter, clothing, and insulation, instead what I do is I say, I'm just going to breathe more deeply. Well, that'll never solve this solution and it will actually expedite the, the collapse. I'm focusing on the wrong level. So the business hierarchy of needs, its intended use is to be this compass that we look at our business, we evaluate, we have a problem creating cash, we have a problem creating stability, we have a problem creating efficiency, and so forth pinpoint where our most vital need is at the moment. All the things are relevant, but what's our most vital need? Resolve that. Once it's resolved, we then go through the business hierarchy of needs again to find where our next need is. We continue through this for the life of the organization to build a solid foundation that supports growth to our vision. All right. So so that was a great summary. And I really appreciate the 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 deep the dive into that. It so it goes sales, then yep. it goes profit, then it goes order, then it goes impact, then it goes legacy, correct? That's right. All right. So tell me this, because my gut tells me that entrepreneurs have a tendency to do one of two things. They either focus only in one area yeah, or they try to focus in every area at once. You're, you're very good, sir. And that's uh, the, those are the two big traps. Listen, there's, there's people that say, I just got to sell, baby, sell, sell. And the business grows in sales and grows and grows. And then it collapses on itself because they didn't focus on the next level. It's, it's like, imagine building a structure, a, a, a structure that has a foundation and four more stories above it. So there's five elements to it, right? That foundation is sales. We could build this massive, massive foundation, this massive basement, but then we put a little tool shed of profit on it and it falls, it gets sucked up in sales and just smashes apart. There's no order in it. So, so we're actually working harder. Sales is an obligation of the organization to deliver, but without efficiency, you could be in real trouble. Conversely, there's businesses that focus on the highest levels without regard for the lower levels. Like there's businesses, 
often not-for-profits, who focus on the impact level. We're going to change the world. We're going to do amazing things. And who cares about sales or contributions? Who cares about profitability, stability? Who cares about the efficiency of the organization? Let's just change the world. And very quickly, they get swallowed up because they have no form of sustainability. So these work relationally. You must have a foundation adequate to put the first floor on it and the first floor adequate to support the level above it. They all work kind of like a like a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle connecting together. And if one piece is massively out of alignment with the other pieces, they won't fit together. So how are you going to, so the book, it identifies this, yeah. the problem, of course, yeah. right? And I think that's the, the core, the fundamental is understanding what the problem is so you can yeah. try to fix it. But what steps can people do or what, what exercises can they do or, or what tips yeah. can you provide specifically where someone in the audience right now can say, hey, listen, I feel like I fit this bill, right? I feel like I'm, you know, that I need this. What would be a couple things they could do to try to start moving the needle? So in the book, I share the DNA of every business. So what I did is I investigated, actually, I don't even recall how many businesses, but lots and lots of businesses to find the common structure and everything from manufacturing to B2B, professional services to retail stores and everything in between and found that when you peel back the skin of an organization, 99% 99% of us are identical. It's just like humanity. Like, you know, we judge each other based upon height, weight, gender, skin color. But when you just peel that back, you know, the structure of humanity is basically the same. A doctor, if a doctor has to do an examination because I'm having a, heart, a cardiac event, the doctor doesn't say, oh, is your heart in your foot or in your ear? It's always in the same spot for all people. So that core structure of business is the same. There's 25 questions I have in the book. And I'll give you a couple examples, but going through all of it would take an inordinate amount of time. But very quickly, we just answer yes, no to these questions. And there's five core elements at each level. So in sales, as an example, the question is, do we know the company's lifestyle congruence? And most people are like, I don't even know what that means. Lifestyle congruence is where a business is designed to support a certain lifestyle. Businesses, small business in particular, are interlocked. Our personal finances and business finances are linked. If you don't know what the business needs to sell to support your life, we're just going to have arbitrary numbers. I need a million dollar business. I need a $10 million business. But really the question is, what do you need for your base degree of comfort and link those in together and your business will tell you what sales it needs to achieve. We need to attract prospects. We need to convert them. We need to deliver on our promises and the agreement of the conversion. We need to collect on the the promises of our customers, the payment. Those are all the sales elements. We simply ask each one of those five core questions, am I achieving that yes or no? If no, we've identified a vital need within that base level. And you do through all 25 questions. But the simple process is this, whatever is not satisfied currently, we look at the lowest base level need, foundational need of all those things that are not satisfied, we tackle that first. That's the core how-to, these 25 questions. No, I love that. I love that. That's perfect. It's becoming very clear to me. And obviously, you know, I'm a fan, so I'm definitely going to get the book when it comes out for sure. No questions asked. So is there anything else you want to add specific to this business hierarchy or something in the book that you think, you know, something we could add at the end here before we wrap up that might. Yeah. Yeah. The there's audience? one final thing. So, you know, what the business hierarchy of needs does is I call it the compass. It will pinpoint this is the direction you need to walk in. So now you know what you need to work on. But of course the question is how, or what do I need to do? Give me the specifics. Well, there's a framework for that too in the book. It's called OMEN. It stands for, it's an acronym, it stands for Objective Measurement, Evaluation Frequency, and Nurture. And those are the steps. Once you know what you need to work on, it's how you go about it. For example, let's say I, uh, I don't have enough conversion of customers I, I've determined, meaning I need to bring more customers on board and identify that my prospect flow is strong enough, but I'm not converting enough. Then we set the objective of what would be an achievement that supports what we want at our sales level 
for conversion. And I may say, well, if I convert two customers a week, that is the objective. So then we set that as objective. Then we go into the measurements. How do we know we're making that progress? Well, I got to make sure that they're qualified prospects. I don't, that become customers. I don't want people that don't want to do business with me. So they have to have a certain revenue number, for example, that they experience in order for them to be a good prospect. And they need to be wanting to buy one of my good margin products or offerings. So there's a certain price they need to buy. So now we know the measurements that identify that objective. We want two clients that have this and this. Once we know that, then we go into evaluation frequency. We start measuring, is this happening or not? And we set up a frequency for checking in. Sadly, many businesses say, you know what? Once we achieve this objective, let's mark it off. And there's no time frame set to it. Others say, we're going to check every day. How are we doing? But that's too much. So we have to set the right frequency. Maybe for that, once a week, we check in and say, how's our progress happening? In other circumstances, you know, in a vital situation, like someone that's in cardiac arrest, a surgeon, their evaluation frequency could be every second. They're checking the heart rhythm. So based upon the criticality and the valuable data that we collect, we achieve this evaluation frequency. The last setting is nurture. Nurture is a method to observe our objective, our measurements, and the evaluation frequency and modify them. If we're not achieving our objective, why? And what do we need to nurture change in order to achieve that? Or maybe we set an objective that's not of service. Maybe it's got to be four new customers a week, or maybe it only needs to be one. But nurture is modifying and tweaking the dials to dial into what you want to achieve. So that's the only method. I love it. That's awesome. So I love the way, here's what I love. I love the way you break things down, right? I mean, and not only here talking to you on the interview, but in your books, and it's obvious, you know, you've put a lot of thought and energy and time behind this because it, it just, it flows so quickly. And I think that's what happens when you write a book, right? I mean, you have to really look and dissect that yes. topic from a hundred different angles, if not more. It takes, me, so, uh, five, it takes me about five years to write a book. So I actually have three more books I'm working on right now. And they, they won't, you know, one of them won't come out for about two more years. Another one is about seven, eight years out. It's accumulating this. But to your point, the constant drive is how do we make this more simple to execute on, but have the same impact? And it just, it takes time and research. And t- we test out like wildfire. And I test, I even guinea pig on my own businesses. So thank you for that kind observation. And it is my commitment to make entrepreneurship more simple. I love it. So listen, being that you're such a prolific author, you're, you've written so many books, you've had huge success. It's not like any one of these books has been a, a dud. I mean, they've all been successful in their own right. And, and that's something obviously to be, is really, you should be very proud of, obviously. But here's my question, just being selfish, right? So I've been toying with this concept, the idea of writing a book for a while, and I've got three or four different books, ideas in my head and awesome. a little bit on paper, right? So what would be one, to, and I'm sure there's people listening right now, right, that have the same sort of frustration. What would be a couple of tips that you would suggest? This is totally off topic, but just yeah, from a selfish perspective, what do, you, what do you think would be a couple of tips you would give somebody that's looking to write a book after having done so many? Oh, so I, I do a few things. I actually have a, a list on my home office wall. First, I ask my, my readership, or you can ask your customers if you haven't written a book yet, say, what do you need? We have to be of service through a book, right? So that's part one. Part two is, what do I need? Like, what do I feel called to do? And does it match up with my client's need? Because that now is compelling for me to do that. I then ask, is this something that will have permanent impact? And what I mean by that is this is a book that can live on for, you know, 100 years, the concept, as opposed to kind of a flash in the pan. Like a book, if I wrote a book about, you know, how to maximize your use of my space, well, that worked out for a good year or two, and now that's gone. So I want to have permanence. And the last thing is to do the action itself. And I do sprints. 
every weekday I'm writing. And so this morning, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., I write. And that's off season for me. When I'm in season of writing, it can be four to five hours a day, but always write. 80% of what I write will never make it to the book. So they'll go in the trash. But if I'm not writing, I'll never find that 20% that I have to you know, share. I love it. That's awesome. Listen, two rapid fire questions before we close out today. One is, what's your favorite growth tool or software? Maybe an app, a SaaS product, something that you use to help you grow your business. One of my favorites right now is we're using Monday, monday.com, and it's a project management tool. You know, we have a small office, but we have 12 employees. And once you get to a certain size, there's too many moving parts. I, I can't keep it all in my head. We actually have, a, I'm not even president. We have a president of our company that manages it all. And uh, we use that for active communication. One thing that came out this morning is we're, one of our offices down the hallway here, it's called the Mad Lab. It's an office, but it's simply for ideation. And it has a sign Mad Lab on front of it. And they're, they're setting it up for when we return to the offices. And uh, they got beakers in there and bubbling things. And one of those like balls that, that zap, you know, electricity around. So it looks like a, like a crazy laboratory for creating ideas all went through Monday. There was all this ideation and brainstorm to organize and now the, the stuff is coming in. So it's kind of cool. That's awesome. Very cool. All right. Well, listen, let, uh, wait, one more thing before I go here. Besides you, your books, another book that you've read or you would recommend to the audience, what would that be? Right now I'm reading about one book every two to three weeks. I, I'm almost done with 100 Days of Rejection by, uh, I'll mess his name, Jia Jiang, I think his last name is. Amazing book on the power of confronting our fear. And so it's 100 Days of Rejection, really fascinating book, lots of lessons within. Love it. Well, listen, let everybody know how they can get a copy of your book, your new book, Fix This Next, connect with you maybe on social, learn a little bit more about your business, and we'll wrap it up for today. Sure. So you can go to fixthisnext.com. I actually have a free evaluation step there. You can take, you can evaluate your business right now in the next five minutes, pinpoint what you need to be working on and get stuff for the book. So that's fixthisnext.com. And if you want to learn more about me, it's Mike Michalowicz, but no one can spell that. So go to Mike Motorbike, as in the motorcycle, mikemotorbike.com. I've never driven a motorcycle. That was my nickname. But uh, you can go there and all my books, free chapter downloads, lots of resources available there. So fix this next to get started and Mike Motorbike for more information. Love it, Mike. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks Thank for you. writing that amazing Profit First book. And I look forward to reading the next one. Dennis, thank you, brother. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.